0: And now, coming at you from the 5 Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Oh my goodness. Wow. Uh, So, hey, I'm back, everybody. How you doing? It's been a hot minute, has it not? Yes. Yes, it has. I have forgotten how to do this. Um, How does it this is the microphone here, right? This thing on. Okay, cool. Um, and so the computer, it looks like it's doing this like recording thing right now. I can see my voice is showing up as a waveform here. So, okay. I I think I got the hang of how this works. Now the technical side of things, I'm pretty good with because this is the same program that I use for recording, uh, band demos. So, I'm good with the what I'm less good with is like, okay, what am I going to talk about? Oh my god, this is kind of intimidating. This is a little scary. I'm coming back I'm coming back at it here finally and uh there's no shortage of stuff to talk about. We got a lot going on here. The question is, can I keep it all straight? And that's really the big question. I don't know. I'm I'm sure hoping I can. Um so I've got a bunch of uh, uh a bunch of voicemails here. I think most of I don't think I have any here We'll find out soon enough. Uh, I think I've archived all of the old ones that we've played here before. Um, so we'll check with that uh, as we go. And the rest of I got some good ideas here. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Okay, we can, we can make this work. It's all coming back to me a little bit. So I feel like I kind of owe people a bit of an explanation as to what's going on. It's very simple. I'm lazy. Okay, no, that's not it. That, I mean, that that certainly has something to do with it, but... Um, The actual explanation is that I am a little paranoid. Yeah, there you go. I said it, a little paranoid. Uh, In what way? Well, when I'm recording a podcast episode, I don't like people listening to me, which is kind of funny, right? Because what am I doing? I'm creating something that by its very nature, I want people to listen to. I don't want anybody to listen to me live while I'm recording it. And that includes my wife. (laughs) And since I tend to record these on Mondays and Fridays, because they're really the only days of the week when I have time where I could conceptually do it, um, she has been at home and off school for several Mondays and Fridays recently. Uh, And so I also like to record these in the morning as opposed to like later in the day, just because, you know, It's one of those things, it's kind of like doing a cardio session. you got to knock it out early, and if you don't knock it out early, there's a really good chance later in the day you're going to find something else to do instead. So I've also been exceptionally busy, um, which is no excuse, and I don't accept that excuse from other people. Mostly it's the fact that, uh, yeah, I haven't been alone um, during the time when I usually get to record this. The exception would have been last Monday, um, which would have been... 24th. this is most recent monday today is the twenty eighth by the way how you doing um, and I had an opportunity to record it then I had something else that was more pressing that I had to take care of um I owed uh Mary who is uh my client who's also doing some some wonderful volunteer work in uh formatting workout splits and cultivating YouTube playlists for them as well um uh I owed her some videos. Um I (laughs) because she she'd been like, you know, trying to get the these splits finalized and you know what what typically happens here is like I will write them up and send them over to her and she will painstakingly and using a very O C D type brain format it exactly the way that I want and then assemble the playlists from all the videos that I have put together for each particular move, then send it back to me for review, et cetera. I'm like, all right, sweet. And uh, it's an absolutely invaluable help. Uh, And I'm eternally grateful to her for the assistance Um, because it's the only way at this point that uh, new workouts will ever get written just because uh, I can write workouts, but formatting them, it takes time. I don't have. (laughs) So thank you, Mary. I really appreciate it. I do. Uh, And so she will also kind of get on me in a very nice way. I'm like, Hey, I'm still missing some videos for this one. Uh, And then also uh, she has gone. And I mean, if you, if you go through any of these splits, you will see her start to make appearances in the videos as well. um, Because sometimes I'm like, yeah, my gym doesn't have a good space for me to really like record that like the angles are really crappy for that piece of equipment so can you do it and then some things where it's like it's a lower body exercise i'm like i want somebody with slightly better hip mobility than me to demonstrate this so we're not seeing like the gimp version of it But, uh, so she's made an appearance in some of those videos and she'll, she'll probably be making more of an appearance. So, um, but some of them are like, I can do that. I can do that. And so uh, over the weekend I went and recorded a whole bunch. And so Monday morning, this last Monday was my time to sit through, edit those, narrate the voiceovers for them, get them uploaded. So I did that, um, because it was long overdue, get that done, knowing that I would be like, okay, come Friday, come hell or high water. There is going to be a podcast. Damn it if i have to like sacrifice a goat or something in order to make it happen we're going to do it so um let's do this i've got a little bit of a personal update i want to go over here but it, it's probably going to be lengthy and long-winded so we're going to start with something a little more fun and lighthearted and not to say that the personal update is really heavy or anything like that it's just ugh. if you can hear it in my voice like man I, i'm tired I'm really tired, (laughs) this has been a really challenging week. Um, i got a birthday coming up, but I feel like I've already aged a year and a half in the past week, so um, that's not a fun feeling. Um, So we'll we'll go over all that stuff a little bit later. The thing that I owe everybody right off the bat, however, is a puppy update. Um, So let me see here. Derby. Yeah, nothing. Taz doesn't wear a collar. Um, When I go and take him on a walk, he's just – he's so good. He – he ne- he's not a flight risk. He's never going to run off. So I don't typically leave a collar on him Derby. We don't trust her. So she has a collar on all the time. So meaning like when she moves her head, she makes noise. So I just called her name. She didn't answer. So she's either purposefully ignoring me or she still doesn't quite know her name. There are times when I think that she does. Um, but the, the, Quick update on her and Taz is they are the two best dogs in the world. And I'm sorry, I know to all the dog owners out there, I know you love your dogs and they're probably really special and really magical family members, but, but they ain't Taz and Derby. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. These two, oh, I mean, they are just, at, they break my freaking heart every day. Um, they are just so sweet. It's impossible um, just the way that they get along for the most part, there was a little drama. Uh, it's the kind of drama, you know, how everybody kind of filters their life on social media. I filter my dog's lives on social media as well. Like if you follow my Instagram story, most of what you'll see there is just, you know, Taz and Derby, Taz and Derby, just the two of them. Um, yesterday I posted a video on there of her just sitting on him. He was laying down on his side and she was just sitting up on his shoulder and by his neck, just sitting there doing nothing. She's not even an alpha. I mean, she's incredibly submissive towards him. She understands that he is in charge. For, for whatever reason, she was just sitting on him, and he was just letting her. It was the funniest fucking thing. It, I just, I died. I kept go. I kept going back to that video all day long, and it was just killing me. Um, they they just get along really well. They play really well. There was an incident a couple nights ago. I want to say, what, Tuesday night? Wednesday night, maybe? Yeah, Tuesday night, I think, um, where there was some conflict over a Kong. And I didn't see it, but somebody got nipped um, a couple of times. We found a couple of marks on her. And it was one of those things where she got nipped once, twice, and was yip, yip, yipping all the way across the room, ears back, tail between legs. And I swear it sounded like she had gotten hit by a car the way that she was crying out. It was awful. And it, I I can't fault Taz. I mean, he's got to, you know, he's got to establish his position. He is in charge. He needs to be in charge, and she needs to learn. She needs to learn how to dog and how to be a dog, Uh, and she will. She she will learn that, and it's through stuff like that, which is so hard to watch, and she was just so pitiful after that. Like, you know, my wife is sitting on the couch and, and leaning forward and looking at her phone, and Derby just jumps on the couch and crawls into the space behind her like between her and the couch cushion just to feel secure and like, you know, nestled in on all and as many sides as possible. Um, So within a few hours they they were back on friendly terms and they, they had a little play session that night before bed. And then the next morning they woke up, it's like nothing ever happened and it's been like that ever since. So, um, so generally speaking, very, very good. I mean, they're so good for each other. Um, Taz really enjoys playing with her. We've caught him many times, like, instigating something, uh, which is hilarious. And he's also like me, you know, 8 o'clock, and he's ready for bed. So he's he's very much like, peace out, guys, I'm going to bed. And then she'll be playing around, just playing by herself, like throwing a toy around to herself in the living room, and her collar's jingling around, and eventually he'll come out and be like, what's going on out here? And uh, he'll jump in. So um, it it's really cute. They are Awesome they are awesome. That's all there is to it. So that is the puppy update. So, um, I know Angela in particular, thank you, Angela. Um, (laughs) she, she messaged me on Instagram and she's like, I'm really just here for the puppy content. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I know my worth. I do. I do. Um, so, <laughs> let's uh let's do it here. Let's uh let's start tackling a couple of voicemails here. Um I've got some written questions from people as well. We got a lot of stuff to dive into. A lot of these questions came in a long time ago. I don't have any idea what's uh what's in these as well. This one is from Oh, going back to January 31st. God, has it been that long? Oh my god. Okay. So whoever this is, I'm sorry. Hey Darren, this is Jesse in North Dakota. I had a quick question. Uh, regarding hitting calories specifically Um, so if you you know run behind schedule or something comes up and you miss a meal uh, and it gets late is it better to you know cram a thousand calories uh, in in one meal later at night or in the p.m. to hit your macros or would it be better to just simply eat your normal post-workout meal uh, and then just I guess Increase your deficit for the day, um, yeah, or slam down a thousand calories or so, and hit your macros. Okay, thanks, bye. Awesome, Jesse. Thank you. So, Jesse, sorry, sorry, it took me so damn long to get to this, but that's a good question. I like it. So, um, I would uh, I would challenge you on the premise of the question. So, if you've got a daily caloric shortfall here um, and we're short on calories, what do we do? Um, the first thing that I would say is. It's kind of a, a situation that brings some bias with it in that um, this doesn't have to happen in the first place. Like it's, it's a very preventable thing. And uh, if it's really important, I would say it's completely preventable. Um, in all but the most extreme circumstances. So that being said, we're going to assume that this is some kind of an extreme circumstance here. Very unusual. You know, a lot of people, you get to this situation just because, oh, I was slacking on my meal timing a little bit. I didn't prioritize it, et cetera. And then the solution isn't, the, the, the question isn't, what do I do about this? The question really is, how do you not do that next time? How do you not put yourself in a position where this question becomes necessary? So I would reframe it a little bit like that. But now, Let's tackle the specifics here. Um, what do we do in this situation? Um, in almost all cases, I'm going to say get it in, get it in that day. Um, unless you know, there's probably a threshold where if we're you know X calories short with you know Y hours left in the day, that it probably becomes unproductive to try and do that. So um, let's think of it this way. Let, let's do a little a little math here because. I mean, no, Jesse, you, you know, you've listened to this for a while, right? I'm, I'm hoping so. Uh, and thank you for that, by the way. So you know, asking a question like this, you're not going to get a super straight answer, right? It's going to be some kind of weird, bullshitty type answer that, you know, is where the truth is. And it's just something that, you know, it requires a little bit of extra thought. So let's let's put a little extra thought into it here and figure it out. So let's make up some numbers here. Let's say we are on, just to keep things relatively easy here, we're on a 2,000 calorie per day diet. We're in a deficit uh, you know, we're, we're a guy, we're at a deficit. We're trying to drop body fat. So 2000 calories, you know, um, if you, if you're a guy of, you know, uh, decent size, 2000 calories is going to be a, a deficit, possibly a really big one. Um, and we'll just assume that just to keep our, our numbers fairly simple here. So 2000 calories divided by 24, you're at 83 calories per hour, basically. So now we could really complicate this, and have to come up with like a multivariable formula here if we were like, well, what if this happens and our shortfall is, you know, inside or outside of our training? When it, forget that. We're, we're going to make some assumptions here. Um we are going to make the physicist's assumption, which is, you know, any body that we're trying to work with, we're just going to assume it's a dot. We're not going to play around with what shape it is and what kind of, you know, what kind of effects that, uh, you know, drag or anything like that has. We're we're going for a, a basic estimate here. So we're going to assume the simplest possible version of what we're dealing with here, which is just, you know, 2000 calories a day, 83 calories per hour, roughly is what we're looking for there. So I would say, Let's say it's 6 o'clock, and you're planning on being in bed by 10, so there's four hours left in the day, right? So we take this 83 calories per hour, we multiply that by four. That means that you have allotted, per average, about 300 and something calories left. What I would say is um, if you are short by, let's say, 900 to 1,000, my advice would be get it in because that puts you at about three times your hourly intake um at a deficit which i think is probably a good if we're just going to select an arbitrary threshold here um to uh to try and and say well if it's above or beyond above or below this we will or won't try to make up for it i think three times your average caloric uh, average hourly caloric intake is pretty fair So let's say we've got, um, let's say we're, we'll stick with Jesse's example here. We're a thousand calories short and let's say it's eight o'clock at night and we're going to be in bed by 10. So now we've, we've suddenly got two hours left. So two hours, 83 calories per hour. You're looking at like 160 calories is what you have left allotted for the day. So, and we've got a thousand left. Well, that's, I, I would say at that point, you're not really doing yourself any favors if you try and get that in. Um, because, one thing to consider, I think, I think thinking about your intake as an hourly thing is good um, because you, you can, um, you know, your body can only process so many calories at once. It's not necessarily so many in a day. It's, you know, how much are you giving it at once, realistically. If you give your body a whole bunch of shit all at once, it's going to store some of that as fat probably. Now, in one meal, let's say you have a th- single 2,000 calorie meal, it's not really going to know what to do with all that. It's going to store some of that. You now, If you break it up over the course of the day, um, you know, your body uses energy you take more in. It's a little bit more steady like that. Um, so the whole idea of, you know, well, it's just calories in, calories out. Well, timing matters a little bit as well because you know, it's calories in, calories out, but it has to be done with respect to your metabolic rate as well. So um, we'll, we'll turn that argument on its head a little bit. Um, but it also means like you could run a deficit, but if you have high caloric intake, for like your pre and post workout meals that overshoot your, your daily or your hourly average, um, you can still grow on a deficit. Now it's still going to be slow because being on a deficit for the rest of the day is not necessarily going to help your body build muscle. But if you give it a little bit extra for fuel, and a little bit extra for recovery, you can get a lot done there. So uh, nutrient timing matters. And for that reason, I would say you don't want to completely overload things in like the final part of the day to try to cram everything in. If you're yourself a thousand short and you got like two hours left into the day, Work in half of that and call it good and don't overcompensate the next day. Uh, again, the bigger question is what led to this circumstance and how can we prevent it going forward? That, that's, a—I a, think, the th- kind of thing that... Is less uh, reactionary and more proactive, which is is helpful. So I would I would reframe it a little bit that way, but nonetheless, I think going to the specifics is a good exercise, and that's how I would tackle it. So, you know, your average caloric intake um, per hour, multiply that by three, and that's probably about what you should make up. Don't try and you know shoot for the moon and make up everything necessarily. Okay, this next uh, voicemail here. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate that. This one goes all the way back to February 2nd, Groundhog's Day. Does anybody remember Groundhog Day? Yeah. It's a long time ago. So again, uh, apologies in advance to whoever this is. Hi, Darren. This is Drew from Washington. Uh, I guess this is more of a topic rather than a question. Uh, I actually participate in a few Facebook groups, and I am lucky enough to have a girlfriend who is super, super supportive. But I noticed lots of these women talk about how their husband slash boyfriend are like, I don't know, almost like borderline emotionally manipulative, abusive, whatever. So I feel like it might be good uh, to just touch on that for your listeners, maybe. Thanks. Good stuff, Drew. Appreciate that. So, Drew, apologies. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. A lot can happen happen in a, a better part of a month, right? Man, uh, crazy times, crazy times. Anyway, it's a really good topic and it's one that I have some fairly strong feelings on as well. So this goes back to the fact that, you know, bodybuilding, whether it's competitive or not, I don't care. If you've listened to this for any length of time, you know that when I talk about bodybuilding, I'm talking about the act of actually like going through this process and trying to improve your physique. That's what it is. Whether you compete or not is irrelevant. At that point it becomes competitive bodybuilding. But, um, bodybuilding can be a separate thing that is a little bit more inclusive of everyone who goes through this. So, um, but bodybuilding is a very individual thing and it's something that you do for yourself. You don't do it for anyone else. Um, and you you know, nobody else oftentimes even really cares. Now, as far as like dealing with um, emotional manipulation from a partner, spouse, whatever. Um, Or emotional abuse. I mean, of course, I don't know exactly what kind of specifics people are talking about here, but, um, and and this can take on a lot of different forms as well. This could take on the uh, uh, form of like a very backhanded compliment, like, you look great. Why do you need to worry about this? You should just eat something. I mean, you know, raise your hand if you've heard garbage like that before, right? I mean, a, a good, good percentage of us probably hear that on a fairly regular basis. And it's just because, you know, a lot of people simply don't understand. And the question becomes, do you want to take the time to make them understand? Or do you just want to smile and nod and avoid a big, long conversation? It's going to be really boring. And it's like pushing a boulder uphill. It's probably not worth the effort. Um, <clears throat> cause in the end, what, what do you get out of it? You know, a tired voice, a tired brain. <laughs> Maybe I'm just speaking from my own personal experience here a little too much, trying to explain bodybuilding to a lot of the people that I spend time with. They're like, yeah, I don't get it. I know it's what you do for work, um, but I don't understand why anybody would do that. I don't understand why anybody would ever pay you money to to tell them what to do and how to work out and how to eat. I mean, you know, the, the people that I hang out with on a personal level, it, it, it is that. Um, they do not understand. Um, I don't really know too many people in my individual personal circle that have a gym membership or maybe have ever had a gym membership. So it's just not, not the crowd that I'm hanging out with on a regular basis, uh, which is fine. I, I don't care. It's again, it's what I do for me. I don't need to surround myself with it in order to be successful at it. I do it for me. I kind of live in my own little world. I do my thing. And all my friends, my wife, they do their thing. And those things are separate sometimes. Um, I've always told people I don't need a swole mate. <laughs> now, I mean I think it's nice to have varied interests. Um, I don't know that I would really want a, a swole mate on a personal level. No judgment to those who do. It's just everybody has different things. And I kind of like having that time for me. So, um, so as far as like, you know, Uh, I'll go with emotional manipulation, because I think I see a lot more of that than I do emotional abuse. If it's emotional abuse, then honestly, you know, the answer is, fuck that bullshit. No. Um... And that should beget the abuser a slap in the face to help wake them up a little bit. Um, there's no room for that. There's never an excuse for that. Now, emotional manipulation, this can come in a lot of different forms. It could be like the backhanded compliment that I talked about before or, you know, trying to get someone to fail at what they're trying to do, which isn't necessarily the end goal. It is the result. But the the person isn't saying, you know, I really want you to fail at this. So let's go out to dinner. Come on, just eat with me here. No, they're not doing that. They're, they're, what they're probably trying to do is to get you to live a little and thinking that you're suffering. And, you know, maybe you are, but, you know, it's always voluntary. So um, so there's manipulation like that. Um, and I think a lot of this comes from, first of all, it says more about the manipulator than it does about anyone else. Uh, and also it, 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 it's a good insight into where they're at. It's not about you. It's about them. You know, f- with some people, they don't want to see their friend, their spouse, whoever, get into this amazing shape because they might feel like they're going to get left behind or something like that. There's certainly a, a very reasonable fear of that. So if you can kind of understand and just, you know, don't take it all personally. And I would encourage people not to get overly butthurt about it. And whenever you feel some kind of manipulation like this coming on, because typically, I think more often than not, they are fairly benign. They are, they're not this like, malignant abuse in your face, yelling, calling somebody a worthless piece of shit, saying, Yeah, you died all the time and you're still fat, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, I don't think that's most of it. Surely some of that happens, but I don't think that is the bulk of it. Now, I could be way wrong there, and I'm more than happy to entertain stories and anecdotes that prove me wrong. Nothing wrong with that. I think more of it is the benign kind of thing where, you know, it it's it's more about Again, it's not about that person needs you to fail necessarily, but they they want to be seen as maybe the good guy, possibly. What I would do is whenever you find yourself in a situation where there's some some kind of manipulation like this going on, don't assume that it's about you. Um, And don't assume that it's always done with malicious or hostile intent. Um, because oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes the person perpetrating it doesn't really understand why they're doing it either. They just feel compelled to do this for whatever reason. Maybe they do want you to fail. Maybe it would make them feel a little bit more normal, um, or or it would make them feel more okay with being normal as opposed to all this crazy stuff that you're doing and you're getting all these amazing results. And they're feeling like, well, what am I doing here? I'm going to bring them down to my level a little bit. Probably not a conscious thing for a lot of people. Um, So I don't know. I would be curious to hear some stories on this. You know, if anybody has um, anything like this, uh, I'd be curious to hear it. I think I'd be worthy of discussion. Um, I can only speak from my own personal experience, which is not – great on this topic um, but you know I'm very much a, a solo act in this household like my wife has nothing to do with bodybuilding meal prep nothing like that whatsoever so it, it really you know I think there's a risk of it going the other way like you're kind of food shaming someone and be like well I'm putting on all this work and you know what are you doing over there and you know, I go out of my way to make sure that's not the case like <laughs> you know, my, my wife will say things like you know don't judge me <laughs> <laughs> As she's eating something that looks really good, i be like, I ain't judging you. I'm a little jealous, but I'm not judging you. It's all good. Um, but I always tell people also that, you know, if you're doing this and you are on your own and you're with somebody who is not doing it, um, you are not allowed to be a martyr for your diet. You can't make your diet somebody else's problem. So there is a chance certainly for this kind of emotional manipulation to work both ways absolutely um because if you if you know if you're playing the woe is me card guess what uh you, you might get some sympathy or something like that i promise you nobody truly gives a shit at all because <laughs> if anybody stops to think about it they know you're doing this to yourself and if it's really that bad guess what you can stop nobody's got a gun to your head uh so do not be a martyr for your diet that's a big deal for me um Yeah. And and so that being said, you know, I have clients who will check in with me and they'll, they'll kind of rant to me a little bit about their diet. I'm like, that is totally cool. I am your coach. I am the person that you're supposed to sound off on. If you're struggling with this, if you're sick of being in a deficit all the time, lay it on me. I can take it. I will absorb that and we will talk about it. Uh, But don't make your diet somebody's problem who is not your coach. (laughs) I guess that might be a more, a more appropriate spin on it. So, um, Drew, that's a great topic. I would love to hear from other people on that. So anybody who's got anything to uh, send my way on that, any stories, whether it's you, something you've heard from a friend or anything like that, I think there's value in all of it. So I'd like to hear it. Um, okay. Next voicemail here. This is, um, boy, there's two here with the same timestamp. Um, these look like the same file, pretty much. I don't know what's going. Well, now they're different sizes. is February seventeenth, four forty-eight a.m. Good lord! That must be when I downloaded it. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. Now this is what seventeenth. This is eleven days ago. We're out of apology range at this point. I don't feel so bad about it. this. Isn't like oh my god, the the person listening to this is going to forget that they called in. You know, we're not that far back. So anyway, um, no apology yet. But let's uh, let's hear and see what we got. Hey Darren, it's Joey from uh, Laguna Beach, California. Uh, love the podcast. I was hoping if you could answer a question about blood flow—blood flow restriction. Um, what is it, and what are your thoughts on it? Do you agree with it? Um, thanks. Love the podcast. Can't wait to hear. Awesome. Thank you, Joey. Good to hear from you, my man. Um, so, um, blood flow restriction (BFR), if you will, um, is it a real thing? It is a real thing. There have been studies done on this. Um, so. The concept here is that you use bands, blood flow restriction bands, occlusion bands, whatever you want to call them, um, and you'll wrap them around, typically around your arms. So the problem is the practical application of this is fairly limited. It it works with limbs only, so arms and legs. Legs can be real, real awful using blood flow restriction training also. Um, It it can get unpleasant is is the idea here. So um, the, the concept is uh you are well that's called occlusion training you are occluding or restricting blood flow from a muscle so the idea being here the the general concept is that you have this band around and you wear it kind of like a tourniquet and you can tighten it and some of these bands have numbers on them so based on how tight it is you can see like oh i'm at a 6 right now well, let's tighten it up okay now i'm at a 7 um, so that, that's kind of a, a cool thing. So you can make sure that you get consistent pressure on both sides and then you can kind of track that from week to week over time and see where you're at and be like, you know what? I think I want to step it up a little bit this week. Let's go a little bit tighter. The idea being it does not restrict blood flow into the muscle. It allows that, um, based on how your, your blood flow system works. Um, but it, it prevents, blood flow out of the muscle, so it forces it to stay in there, and blood, of course, one of the main things that it does is carries nutrients, so if we, if we, the, the idea being it allows blood to pool in the muscle and collect there, so if you do this and you train arms or legs like this, you will find that things turn purple um, by the end of your workout, which, uh, and it could get really painful, like it could get tingly and numbing, Um, there isn't any long-term negative impact from this, um, at least nothing that I've ever seen, is it a game changer? I don't think it's a game changer. I think it it is marginally more effective. Um, the question is, is it worth it? And that's a question that everybody has to ask. So it, it is just really painful and uncomfortable, um, for sure. And that that I'm talking about the the blood pooling effects. It's like you know, it's, you know, it's like a pump and multiplied by five basically. Um, it's not like you have that much more of a pump, but you know how a really good pump. I mean, it's nice, but it also can feel a little unpleasant take the unpleasant side of that and multiply that by like five or so. Like it can get really kind of objectionable. Um, but, you know, sometimes that feeling for a lot of people, that's what drives them to want to do something a little bit harder. Like, perfect, that's what I need. Make it suck more. Like, okay, you're a psycho, but all right, that's fair. Um, So the issue that I have with it is I have skin that will break out if you just look at it wrong. And so if you put a blood flow restriction band around my arm at the upper part right below the shoulder and you put it on there nice and tight and you let it get nice and sweaty, uh, it's going to take a a good solid week for whatever happens there to to clear up. Um, And it sucks. So I I tried it for a little bit and I'm like, okay, this is decent. This is cool, Uh, but I just couldn't deal with that. Like the, the breakouts that it would cause, didn't matter how I cleaned it up. It's just, you know, you got sensitive skin that's prone to that stuff and you're going to have a bad time. So that was a deal breaker for me. Um, typically the bands are one inch thick, um, two inch bands. You can get those for your legs. They just have to be a little bit more substantial to create the same kind of restriction. Um, doing it for legs, man, that sucks because it goes right below your hips. So it's going to impact everything on leg day. So it's really just for leg day and arm day. Shoulders, back, chest, get no benefit from this. Um, you can also put them around the uh, knees and do calves. I've done that before. That was kind of fun. Um, for some reason, the skin around my knees is a little bit more um, forgiving. So I was able to do that, and I hadn't thought about that in a while. I might have to give that another shot. Um, so, again, it, it's not absolutely a game changer. It's one of those things where this does not um, not provide an order of magnitude level of change, but a few percentage points. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if you were taking um, – testosterone injections, either as TRT or part of a cycle. That's an order of magnitude increase in your body's testosterone levels and therefore your performance and your growth ability. Um, If you're taking a natural test booster, that's going to give you a few percentage points, which isn't really enough to, to cause... A, enough change to make it worth even a fairly minimal expense. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, in that case, you need an order of magnitude change in order for it to be effective. The difference with blood flow restriction training is that you can get away with a few percentage increase and you'll get a few percentage increase. So it, it is legit for that. Just You can't, exp- I mean, it's going to feel very different. The actual gains that you might perceive long-term would be probably a little less substantial than, than what you might feel is coming. But there's something to be said for, you know, a, a, the, the way that things feel as well. So I wouldn't necessarily dismiss that out of hand. So, um, good question though, Joey, appreciate that. So we've got one more from uh, the same day here. This is February. No, it's not. Hold on. I've got two from the 28th there. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're good here. So I'm going to take a quick break, pause for station identification, as they used to say in radio days. Um, and then we're going to come back with some written questions and see what we have there. Okay, so not only did that not quite go according to plan, but also I lost my little sound effect that I use for uh, indicating when there's been a passage of time, that little, like, thing, I lost that. I don't know where that is, so I couldn't give you a sound effect there to indicate that, hey, guess what, a few hours passed. So I had... um, grand plans of coming back here and answering some more questions and going over some more topics, well that has pretty much gone to hell. Um, so instead we're going to cut straight to the personal update. Now I'm going to try and keep this relatively brief because there's been a lot of stuff going on and it, it's been wild and that's, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that that has nothing to do with why these podcast episodes have been a little off. Clearly there's been a little bit of that. The, what I mentioned before about just logistics and wanting to be alone to record, that has a lot to do with it as well. Probably most to do, do with it, but there are As always is the case, there are other factors too. So um, as far as, you know, like in bodybuilding terms, things are going good over here. I've actually been dropping a little weight, not trying to. It's just, you know, workout intensity has been good. Things are feeling good. Diet's been on point. Um, Rocking two cheat meals a week at this point, you know, pushing some heavy weight, um, which is kind of fun, literally pushing it. So um, I worked up to, and I've never been a particularly strong guy or focusing much on weight, but I just got a bug up my butt for this last split that I've been working on. There's an incline barbell bench press in there. I'm like, I've always sucked at incline bench, so let's just try it. And you know, like week one, I'm like, okay, let's do a buck eighty five here. Let's do two oh five. I topped out at two twenty five. I'm like, I feel pretty good about that. I don't think I've ever done two twenty five on incline bench for reps. And I think I got like eleven or twelve reps on the last set, which was designated to be towards failure. So I I was feeling pretty good about that. I'm like, 225, awesome. So next week, I'm like, well, let's just go for broke here. Um, And I had a spot, so I felt comfortable pushing it. So we went 245 and still got like 11 or 12 reps. I'd have to go back and check my logs specifically. But wow, okay, cool. And so next week, I'm like, hey, go for broke. Got a spot again, awesome. That last set, 265, got nine and a half reps. I'm like, okay, well, this is getting serious here. That's kind of crazy. And then the following week, I got a little greedy I went for 285, probably should have done 275, went for 285, still got four and a half good reps, now I thought I was going to die, that's pretty good, I'll take that, I'll take that for me, 285. For almost five good reps, I will take that and I will roll with that. Especially since, uh, like I said, I think uh, on the first week, two twenty-five, that was my previous high. So it's just one of those movements where I've never really, um, never really pushed myself on, and uh, it just goes to show, like you've always you're always going to find those things. I've been doing this twenty years, I'm still finding these things. So um, don't be afraid to push and challenge yourself, and understand that some days your body's going to be capable of doing a little bit more. And then once you prove that you can do it, it becomes a little bit easier to repeat that. And that's kind of like busting through a work plateau um, where you just kind of get in the groove of, you know, like what I kept telling myself. I've never done 225 before. That seems like a big number. Just Screw that noise. No, my body was capable of doing it. It was a mental plateau that I'd hit. So, um, So everything's been going well there. Diet's been good. Body composition's hanging on tight, which is good. Legs are growing. They're hurting bad in a good way. I've been going in for a deep tissue massage every week at this point, trying to work on some mobility. Um, I mean, the deep tissue work is just really good for getting the muscles to fire and respond a little bit better. It doesn't do anything for m- mobility because you're not stretching it out, but um, it just feels like things move and contract a little bit better overall. So that's that's been a really, really good investment and something that I'll probably continue doing for a little while here still. So uh, everything's good. Everything's good on that front. So really everything else comes down to there's two big things going on right now. So we've got the music stuff. Um, My wife also has an art show coming up. So she is an art teacher. She teaches at a private school, and this school hosts every year a professional art show. It's called Art Extravaganza at Webb School of Knoxville. So, um, And it's great. So people come from all over the region... And they purchase a booth at this show. A lot of people show up and a lot of art gets sold. And so see artists from all over the South, the Atlantic area, up to New York and the Midwest as well. People come from a long ways, you know, professional artists who are, you know, one of the things that they do is they go on the road to shows and they sell their stuff. Um, And so this is a a common show that a lot of artists will hit up. And so as a member of the faculty, she gets a booth there every year for free, which is great. So the school gets a proceeds of all the sales, um, which is fine. She just does it because it's a chance for her to actually be an artist once a year and not just an art teacher. And so her pieces have kind of, you know, since we've been together, her pieces have kind of evolved. She started with doing a lot of collage work and then um, doing more just like uh, undefined abstract work. And then she started messing around with photographs. And so now what she's doing is taking large print photographs, anywhere from 16 by 20 up to 24 by 36. And affixing those to a wooden frame that I make. So I make a a wooden frame out of one by twos, mitered corners, try to get it all totally perfect, and then a sheet of Luan on top of that, a quarter inch. And then we use, uh, at this point, we've turned to spray adhesive, actually, um, because it's the by far the easiest. We've used other materials before. This spray adhesive is perfect. Um, So we stick it on there. We use a roller to get all the air bubbles out. It's nice and perfect. And then, she takes that photograph and then she embellishes it with acrylic or oil paint on top of that, um, which really provides a really cool look. Traditionally, she's always used photographs that she has taken. This year, however, she found online some uh, free-for-public-use NASA satellite photography images of space. Um, which are super high-resolution and look spectacular. You know, things with the title of, like, Colliding Galaxies, New Star, things that are like just really cool. And so what she's doing is we're taking those photos, and she's still painting on top and embellishing, um, as she's done in the past. And... Hey. Sorry, there was dog drum over here. they are playing a little rough. <laughs> um... And typically what she would do is put like a sealer coat on top of that and call it good. Well, this year um, we've started using resin, um, which is made of a uh, two, two products. You've got a resin and a hardener. You mix the two together in equal amounts, and you pour it over the finished piece, and it's a self-leveling, like really thick mixture. You spread it around. It levels itself out, um, and it creates a super hard glass-like finish on top of the piece, and it looks so cool, especially with these NASA photos. I mean, it it looks cool with anything, but you throw it on top of these space photos. It looks great. And then on top of that, also what she's done this year for the first time is taking Swarovski crystals and then gluing them on in just, you know, strategic little spots. So she has some cityscapes of New York photos that we took at night from on top of the empire state building. Um, and, uh, We'll add a couple of crystals just to represent stars in the sky or as accent points on the building. Um, and so then as you walk past it, it's extremely eye-catching, very cool. And same thing, like, the NASA photos, stars, you can see the possibilities there. So they're looking really cool, and we're excited about that. It's a lot of work, and that show is next weekend. So we are, like, scrambling at a mad pace um, because the the resin stuff, based on the the space that we have to do it, we can do one of those photos a night, um, and then it needs to sit uninterrupted for 24 hours while it starts to cure. Um, after that, you can play with it. It takes about 72 hours for it to fully cure, but you can move it and start to do another one. So it just means that you know we've got to have this machine set up, this, this efficiency machine, where she's got a piece that you know okay i've i've done the framework and applying the photo to it and then she's got to get something painted so that it's ready to resin that night and then after that start the whole process over and then do crystal work on whatever she resined the night before so it's just this big uh, efficiency i mean i love it it's like i'm I'm the slave driver here i'm like you got to paint something today because we got to resin that thing tonight and we have to have it resin by nine o'clock and so it's kind of fun for me i kind of like that it's cool um the big thing has been the music stuff, so we've been going back and forth, and I tell you what um, nobody who is tied to this project is listening to this podcast, so i 'm going to give you all the inside scoop here, and i 'm not going to filter anything, so prepare for some language here if you're easily offended, this might be a good time to check out um, All I wanted to do with uh, with this album was to put out some good music and work with musicians that were excited to be a part of it and God damn it i'm getting none of that like the people that i have i have reached out to, to play on this are the most unenthusiastic motherfuckers I ever thought I would have the pleasure of possibly not working with. Like I I sent out an email like, Hey, new song, check it out, blah, blah, because I'm giving them a heads up. Like, Hey, you can learn this stuff in advance. I don't even get a single response, like a thanks or anything, or sounds good, nothing at all. And so then I sent an email because now we're looking at studio time. I'm like, Hey, I need to check schedule availability. Nothing like, you know what? Fuck every last one of you people here. The drummer is a friend of mine. He is cool. Um, I know him. Um, The bass player was recommended by him. He's dead to me. Um, The drummer, great guy. Love him. He's great. Kevin, you're awesome. Um, but the problem is Kevin became unavailable because, lucky him, he, got, uh, he accepted a gig playing on a cruise ship for like four months, and he leaves on Sunday. So he's out. Um, so congrats to him. I'm bummed because, man, I was really looking forward to having him play on this. Um, but uh, yeah. so, such is life. Um, the other guy's just completely unresponsive. I'm like, fuck you guys. I, I want to work with people that are excited to do this, or at least where I don't feel like I'm asking for a big favor, to have you come and play on this, which I'm paying you to do. It's like, come on, just, just be easy to work with and be good at what you do. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. So anyway, the other problem is the studio. I think I mentioned before that you know we were working with the studio, and the engineer and studio owner was having heart surgery. So it kind of delayed us for a little bit. Well, he's back. He's on his feet. He's answering emails. He's looking at scheduling st- time starting next week. So I send him an email like, hey, here's some dates that we're looking at, trying to coincide this with my wife's spring break. So she's got some time off work. She can go in, record some vocals, et cetera. Um, today is day nine without a response from him. So I'm also like, fuck that guy. I'm over this. And so now we've found a new guy <laughs> who is exceptionally responsive to the point where I'm like, dude, stop texting me. <laughs> uh, but no, it's great. I mean, he's like really looking to get stuff done. It's just really stressful because now things are moving. We have, um, we have booked and paid for five days in the studio, which is probably realistically like about half the time we're going to need. Um, so this is going to be him and I and my wife sitting in a room for the first few days just recording some tracks, going over. We have 11 songs, um, two, 13 songs for the album. Two are already done from the other studio. Um, and so we have 11 songs. We're going to run through, and this guy's got a lot of experience working with, you know, big-name bands who have come through. Um, like one of the things he was telling me he was listening to the tracks and I'm like, I need your help finding a drummer because the backup drummer that I found is just flaked out on me and I'm pissed about the whole thing. I can't find anybody who's willing to do this. He's like, Oh, I know drummers here. Let me call Kelly Clarkson's drummer and see if he's available. He's great. He'd be perfect for this. He can play all the styles. Well, he's not available. He's going to be in California doing stuff for TV on the days when we had booked, but it turns out our schedule has changed. So we might still end up getting him a little bit. I don't know. We'll see what happens. That would be pretty cool. Um, So, he's connected. He knows guys. Um, he's a guitarist himself, which is great because I need a guitarist. So we're going to sit down for the first couple days in the studio with my wife and just go over the tracks, listen to them and think about, you know, in terms of arranging production, etc. throw in some new ideas. And what he said is, you know, cause I was thinking, let's do the drums first. He's like, let's do the drums last because they're the thing that if they aren't perfect, you're screwed and get everything else done first and add them on top of everything else. Um, so that's what we're going to do. That's the plan. So basically, all this to say, there's a lot of moving parts right now. We still have two songs that need to get finished with the writing process and we are going in not this coming Monday, but the Monday after that, the ninth, March 9th. So, and that'll be the first day. So March 9th, 10th, 11th are looking like studio days. And then two days the following week, those are the first five days that we have booked. Um, And what we're going to get is finalized arrangements and production concepts for everything, vocals, and probably some guitar tracks. I will probably end up redoing most of the keyboard parts at home actually, and sending him those offline. So um, just because I have performance anxiety, um, and, you know, like, I can do it. I can sit down in the studio and I can play a part, but I'm not going to get it perfect exactly the way I want. And for this album, it's got to be fucking perfect. I want to sit down and have the option of doing 250 takes on a song until I get it right, or piece together a a few different parts of, of takes to get it right. So... Um, so I'm going to do that offline rather than pay an astronomical amount of uh, money for studio time, because this place is significantly more expensive than the one we were looking at before, which is giving me a little anxiety as well. So there's just all this stuff going on. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm getting over it. I'm surviving. Um, but uh, just to clue you in on where the process is at, um, it's uh, it's wild it's I I didn't think it was going to be this much work before we ever even got into the studio. So now the engineer, um, has got me, he's like, okay, so what I need to do now is go into all your demo tracks and render out STEM files for everything. Put those in a zip file for each individual song, put it on a drive so I can grab it. Um, and so now I've got to sit down and do that. I've got to render out the STEM files are basically like, um, you know, because you might have a song where it's like, okay, well, um, it starts off, there's just an intro, and then there's vocals for a verse, and then there's no vocals for a little bit, and then there's vocals for another verse, and then there's no vocals for a little bit. And so you get these little bits and pieces of a vocal part in here. When, when you render out a stem file, what it does is it takes, okay, here's the start of the song, here's the end of the song, and if there's something on that vocal track, we're putting it in here, and so, you know, all of your tracks like your piano track, your drum track, your vocal track, your guitar track, blah, blah, blah. They're all going to be four minutes and 15 seconds long, or however uh, however long the song is, so that when you start them all at the same time, they're all in sync with one another. Um, so it's a way to make these project files portable, so I can get them off my computer and onto his. And then we can use those as a reference point that we want to build everything else around when we actually put in the final tracks for everything, so... That's kind of how the process works. It's weird, um, but I also know that this guy, like, I really trust him um, and his ear and his brain as far as ideas on what to bring to these songs. So suddenly my expectations for how stressful this is going to be have gone way up, but also my expectations for how awesome the end result is going to be have also gone way up. So I'm excited about that. So. Okay. That's it for me. I got to get to the gym and go lift and work out a little bit of this anxiety and frustration, and pent up aggression. So I got chest and shoulders on the agenda today. Um, that is it for me. I will be signing off. Be back on Monday. Maybe. Hey, you know what? Monday's my birthday, special birthday podcast. Maybe if not, just know that I took my my birthday off (laughs) or, or maybe I'll be here for five or 10 minutes. I don't know. It's going to be one of those things probably, but, uh, I appreciate everybody hanging with me throughout this extended absence. I am back. We are not pod fading off into never, never land. We're still around. I've just been, you know, struggling on many fronts, but thank you once again for sticking with me.